Good morning, my name's Genevieve and I'll be reading the Bible this morning. So this morning's passage comes from Proverbs chapter 4 verses 1 to 9 and also verses 20 to 27. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honour you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Hi everyone, g'day. My name is Scott. I'm the pastor here at Trinity Church Pracker. Really glad to be with you this morning. Glad that you're tuning in. Uh, Now, I've mentioned this at church before. I want to say it again. One of my interests in life is the world of professional wrestling. Uh, When I was growing up, I dreamed of climbing up to the top rope, jumping off, landing a big move and hearing all the cheers and screams of the crowd. I I loved it and it's an interest that stayed with me all through life. Perhaps some might say an obsession that stayed with me all through life. But let's not quibble about words, shall we? Um, But I want to start today by telling you about a documentary uh, that that deals in the world of professional wrestling. It's called Beyond the Mat. I watched it a couple of times in my life. Uh, What it does is it follows some of the wrestlers behind the scenes. You you get a glimpse of their lives behind the scenes. And one of the wrestlers it follows is is this guy. His name is Jake Roberts, although he's called Jake the Snake. He got the nickname because he used to carry uh, his pet python, Damien, to the ring in a bag with him all the time. And after he would win the match, he would get the big python out of the bag and he'd drape it over the person he'd just beaten. And of course, that guy freaks out because no one likes a snake, do they? It was lots of fun. Anyhow, in this documentary, we go behind the scenes with Jake Roberts and he tells us the story of how he became a professional wrestler. You see, his dad was a wrestler. And by most accounts, his dad was not a nice guy at all. But Jake wanted to impress his dad. He wanted to win the love of his father. So he figures, I'll do what dad does, I'll do it really well, and then surely, surely dad will love me, right? And so Jake trains, he learns the the craft of wrestling, and he has his first match and he's really excited. After the match he comes back into the dressing room, he sees his dad and he goes over to his dad, and his dad says to him these words, he says, son, I'm ashamed of you. You'll never amount 
to anything. Jake Roberts went on to be a very successful pro wrestler. He's one of the, the tippy top guys in the whole of the business. He was brilliant. But all through the success, those words stuck with him. Son, I'm ashamed of you. You'll never amount to anything. Those words stuck with Jake so badly that despite his success, despite despite being as good as he was, he lost everything. Uh, alcohol, gambling, women, drugs, these all had a big impact on Jake's life. His life had become a mess when this documentary was filmed. And a big part of it was down to those words his dad said. Son, I'm ashamed of you. You'll never amount to anything. Our words have great power, don't they? At church, we're spending five weeks looking at a part of the Bible called Proverbs. Now, Proverbs is is all about wisdom, how to live wisely in God's world. And Proverbs tells us that thing as well. Proverbs says, your words have great power. Take a look at these couple of examples. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 4 says, The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. And wasn't that true for Jake Roberts? Those words of his father crushed his spirit. Or look again now at Proverbs chapter 12 verse 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. They, They hurt, they cut, they wound us. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Have you ever felt that? When someone uses their words to lift you up, to bring healing? Not not in a medical sense, but but relationally, but emotionally, words have that power to lift us up. I remember being on a school camp one year. It was the first year of high school, and uh, I was at a new school. I hardly knew anyone there. And here we are spending three nights together. The one friend I did have decided he didn't want to come on the camp, so I felt so alone. This wasn't a very fun time for me. But I remember one afternoon, I was in the the dorm room, probably getting something out of my bag, I don't remember. And there was another kid in there, he was doing the same thing. And we got talking with each other. And to be quite honest with you, I I can't even remember this guy's name. It was Cameron or Lachlan or something like that. I can't remember his name. But I remember really clearly what he said to me. We were about to walk out of the dorm room, go our separate ways. And he says, hey man, you're a pretty cool guy. Now, uh, he was completely wrong. As a, as, as, as a teenager, I was anything but cool. But his words were powerful. They, they were the exact words I needed to hear in that moment. Emotionally, they were like a, a tree of life to me. Because words like that. Words have great power. Friends, have you ever thought about your words? That your words have great power? Either for good or for bad? So so let me ask, how have you been using that power recently? Our words can sting people or support people. They can hurt people or they can heal people. Has anyone been feeling feeling the, the sting of your words recently? Has anyone been feeling the support of your words recently? Words have great power. They really do. And so Proverbs goes on to tell us, use your words wisely. Don't be a fool with what you say. 
And of course, it's not just what you say, it's what you write, it's how you communicate on your, your Twitter feed, your Facebook, social media world. Proverbs says, use your words wisely. And in fact, Proverbs is very helpful because it tells us what kinds of words are wise and what kinds of words are foolish. It's really helpful. So there's uh, foolish ways of speaking. And I'm about to put up a number of references on the screen. I won't read them out, but you can take note of them if you want and check them out later. Uh, but here they are. There are foolish ways of speaking. Proverbs tells us things like lying, gossiping, quarreling, that is being argumentative, words that are proud and boastful. These are foolish ways of using our words. But then... Proverbs also tells us there, there are wise ways of using words, like speaking honestly, speaking kindly, speaking truthfully, and, and, and speaking truthfully even when that can be tricky because flattery doesn't never end well. And, and in fact, there's another way of using words wisely, and that is with restraint. Not always just speaking whatever comes into your mind, but listening. Now, I reckon we all hear that and we agree. Of course lying's bad and oh yes, kind words are great and we're all on board with that whole listening thing, aren't we? We agree with Proverbs and what it's got to say here about using words wisely. We do. But it's not always that easy in practice, is it? I want to take us through now a couple of examples, case studies. Uh, let's start with truthfulness. I was talking with someone recently and they were telling me about a situation at their work. Their manager was pressuring them to lie because lying about this thing would make it easier, better for the organisation. And the manager said, it really is not going to be a big issue in the long run, is it? Of course not. Now, what would you do in their shoes if you were asked to lie at work? And of course, it's easy to say, I'd tell the truth because I know that's the right thing. But what if it meant that your co-workers started to look down on you? Because you wouldn't lie, that makes it harder for them as well. Or, or what if it meant you lost the good reputation you had with your boss, the reputation you'd built up over time through your hard work and energy? Or what if it meant that you got demoted? Or perhaps even six months later that you, that you got let go? Of course, you never really do know what you do until you're actually in the situation. But Proverbs wants to warn us, to tell us, to give us the wisdom so that we'll have it in mind when those times come up. The truth is always better. Do you believe that, friends? Do, do you believe that even when you're in a tricky spot? Or can I give you uh, another example, another case study, not about truthfulness, truthfulness this time, but about disagreements. Uh, in life, look, disagreements happen. They are unavoidable. And here's the thing. I reckon we don't have very many examples of how to disagree well. Take our politicians, for example. What do they do when they disagree? They just shout over the top of each other. Or what about media personalities? When they disagree, what do they do? They just butt heads with each other and they don't actually get to the real issues. And of course, this spills over into the way that social media works, where that becomes a place where we just butt heads and shout over the top of each other as well. All too often, when we see disagreements in the public, people seem to just want to discredit the other person so that they can then dismiss what that person's saying. You discredit the person and then you dismiss them. And so when we see disagreements in the public, generally it's always ugly. 
But Proverbs has heaps to say about disagreeing well. Like, for example, Proverbs reminds us to use gentle words. Gentle words that might even stop a disagreement from beginning in the first place. And Proverbs says, when you notice a disagreement with someone else, you want to ask the question, do I need to voice my disagreement now? Or is is this one of those times that I should just let it go and not worry about it? But if we do find ourselves in a point of disagreement, Proverbs says, choose your words carefully because the lips of a fool bring them strife and their mouths invite a beating. And we don't want that. So remember, use your words wisely. Uh, words of, of, of honesty, words of kindness, remembering to listen and, and, and not always speak first. And look, if things do go badly uh, in a disagreement, be quick to forgive, quick to ask for forgiveness and ready to forgive in these situations. Words have great power, friends. Let's be those who use our words wisely. But now I just want to turn and I want to talk about the wisest of all words. Uh, last week I said that Proverbs looks forward to the truly wise one who was to come. That is, Proverbs looks forward to Jesus. And all throughout his life, people recognized Jesus as a wise person. So when he was growing up, one biographer of the Bible wrote that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. And when he started publicly teaching, people used to ask, where did this man get this wisdom? That is, you see, people, people recognized Jesus was a wise person. But the Bible also claims something more than that. I'm about to read from a part of the Bible called Colossians. It's a letter in the Bible written by a guy named Paul. Now, Paul used to travel from town to town, and in each town he'd go to, he'd start telling people about Jesus, and he'd start churches there. And in this part of the letter, he writes about why he does what he does. He says, this is from Colossians chapter 2. He says, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for all those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See what Paul is saying there? He's saying, I go to these lengths. I do what I do so that people would know Jesus. And notice what he says about Jesus. It's not just that Jesus is a wise person. And it's not even that Jesus is the wisest of people. Here the Bible is claiming something bigger. It's saying that all the treasures of wisdom are found where? In him, in Christ, in Jesus. It's saying, do you really want to understand reality as it really is? Then Jesus is the place you need to go. Check out Jesus. And if you were here last week, this will be starting to sound familiar. And I'm not going to go over the same ground today. If you missed it, uh, do go to our website and check out the, the talk from last week there. But here's what I want to say today. We're talking about wisdom, words and wisdom. If all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Jesus, 
then that means the wisest words you can say are words about Jesus. Words that point to Jesus as unique, as the one who truly does give us life and meaning and purpose and hope. These are truly wise words. Now, we live in a time, in an age, where it feels like society wants us to be quiet about Jesus. Where it can feel like the common sentiment is, well, I'm happy for you to believe what you want to believe. Go for it, but keep it private. Keep it to yourself. Don't talk to me about it. And one of my first days at uni, I met a friend, and that's exactly what he said to me. And so most of us go to work on Mondays, or we go off to study, or we hang out with our mum groups, or we do whatever it is that we do. And it can just seem safer, wiser perhaps even, to just stay quiet about Jesus. Have you ever felt like that? I want to give us two reasons why it's still worth us talking about Jesus, the one in whom are all the treasures of wisdom. Are you ready? Two reasons. Here we go. Here's the first reasons. It's worth talking about Jesus because people are actually interested in talking about Jesus. Now, that may not describe everyone, but as a general trend, I think it's true. And it's especially true within a friendship. Our friends are quite interested in why we'd follow Jesus and what it means for our lives to follow Jesus. In fact, the friend I just mentioned, who I met on the first day of university, the one who told me, don't talk to me about what you believe, as we became better friends over over the course of time, he was interested and we talked about Jesus. Uh, I was listening to a podcast a while ago and on this podcast there were a couple of older preachers and they were that both of them would have been in their, say, 50s or 60s, and they were talking about a change that's taken place. They were saying 20 or 30 years in the past, most people then didn't want to talk about Jesus. But that's actually changed. And now, more often, people are actually interested and curious. So I wanted to urge us on, keep being ready, open, willing to talk about Jesus. Because by and large, most of your friends are actually curious. That's the first reason. Here's the second reason. Keep on talking about Jesus because he has a good, wise and life-changing message for everyone. Now, I want to illustrate this by letting Barb tell her story. Uh, Barb is a part of our church. We love Barb. And she's been kind enough to share with us now the story of how she began to follow Jesus. So I'll throw it over to you now. Thanks, Barb. (laughs) Um, Hi, I'm Barb. Welcome to my home. We're here to talk about my journey. How's that? Perfect. Yeah. (laughs) I, I went to church with parents but had no Bible in our household. Um, Jesus wasn't there when we came home. Um, millions of questions going to a church, but no one to ask. But, but I can remember going and thinking, well, what's he talking about? You know, like why? I, I've just felt I had questions, but there were, that's where it ended because who was I going to ask? You know, like I couldn't ask my mum and dad. I, They didn't know. They didn't have a Bible. Oh, Bob, my husband, he wasn't my husband at the time. We were boyfriend, girlfriend. 
and he wanted me to come to the city to find a job. And my dad said I could. Um, I had to stay with people that they knew. Um, it took a while to find a job. I think I might have just enjoyed being in the city a bit too much. Um, well, we were married at about 23, um, which was in those days was quite, I was nearly an old maid at 23. <laughs> and yeah. we do, we had two beautiful daughters. Um, Sally was our first. Um, and then we had Sarah three years later. And they're the joy of my life. They are absolutely beautiful women. And it was 22 years ago and um, he'd been playing golf. Um, I was coaching the minis, the little babies at netball, and we passed each other going, he was coming into the house and I was going out to um, for the girls, the little ones to play netball. And uh, Sarah was out in the spare room out the back studying and he came in, watched his port pal on the TV, had a glass of red and sadly when I came home from Nepal he'd passed away in a chair. But um, the impact of that um, wasn't, it was like anyone who has um, a loss and um, it was, we were lucky we had each other and, and I always felt that I was very fortunate. I had a husband who loved me. We had two beautiful girls. Those two girls are very similar. They have a lot of their dad in them. So I felt, at the time, I felt if I could have changed it, I would have jumped up and down and made a big fuss. But I knew I couldn't change it. Um, we, both the girls and I, had a lot of adjusting as to where, because he was the strong one in the family and I'm the pussycat, <laughs> you know, like I just get, I do whatever I'm told um, and the girls worked on that very quickly and so we had to sort of work on, hang on a minute, I'm still the mum, I might be smaller than all of you, but I'm still the mum. So there was a lot of the dynamics that had to change, but the one thing that never changed was our love for each other. Well, Sally came in very excited that she'd heard about Jesus and um, wanted me to come and find out more about him. Um, and I was, I was in tears and like, well, but what is it about? You know, what, what is, who have you been with? And is this a cult? You know, like, why are you doing this? And, and she was crying and I was crying. <laughs> And she said, no, no, this is, this is Jesus, mum. This is something you really need to know about. And she was very, I mean, she would say now that she probably didn't do it overly well. Um, you know, she was probably a bit Jack Blunt. But, um, we were already pretty scared of life. And then for her to throw that one it was like, no, I'm not sure about this. <laughs> but then she offered to take me to come with me. To the old people's church, not the young people, because they had seven o'clock is was where the young people went. So she didn't take me to that service, which is probably pretty good. Yeah. Um, but she took me to where my where my older people were. Yeah. I fitted, yeah. um, and honestly, I felt my life changed from that moment on because I felt God's peace 
um, from that moment on um, and, and was keen to start that journey on my own. It was just a small thing in the kitchen of my home, um, but a huge impact on, on everybody. I think it's changed the person I was to the person I am now. Tell us how much you enjoy being in front of the camera. Button. I hate it. <laughs> Did that look obvious? Wasn't it great to hear about how God has worked in Barb's life, right? Uh, and, and did you catch it there? Did you catch what, what started it off for Barb? Someone took a chance. Barb's daughter talked to her. She spoke with Barb about Jesus. And there was nothing magical about those words. In fact, Barb told us that her daughter looks back and thinks she made a mess of it. But those words were still powerful and wise because they pointed Barb to the truly wise one, to Jesus. Friends, keep talking about Jesus because his message is powerful to change others' lives for good. So there are two reasons to keep talking about Jesus. And then let me then end just by saying this, let's do it. If you're tuning in today and you're someone who follows Jesus, whether you're from, your, whether you're from our church at Trinity Paraka or, or somewhere else, let's keep on talking about Jesus. Uh, I was having a conversation earlier this week with Ada. Ada is the minister in training at our church. And she had a little line that really resonated with me. She said that it feels like you know, with all this COVID stuff that's going on and the fact that our church can't meet in person just at the moment and restrictions are still ongoing even in our state in South Australia and who knows if we'll end up in lockdown again. With all that's happening, it can seem so easy to put life in a holding pattern where we think, oh, let's just get through with this. Let's, let, let's survive this. And when we come out the other side, well, that's when things will really start up again. Uh, Ada said this to me and it resonated. I realised that I easily slipped into this way of thinking. Now, here's why I want to bring that up. Now is not the time to put evangelism on pause. Now is not the time to keep evangelism in a holding pattern. Now is not the time to stop talking about Jesus and wait for later. The world is facing a troubling time. We feel the effects even here in our city, as good as it is, as good as we've had it. Here is a world that needs something, that needs real, solid, lasting hope. The hope that Jesus brings. So let's keep talking about Jesus. And look, to do that, you don't need to know everything. You don't have to know it all. Just know your own story. Be ready to talk about how Jesus has impacted your life and why you reckon Jesus is so good and why you decided that following him is actually worth it with your life. Then if someone wants to know more about Jesus, you use this, use Word One to One. I mean, it's such a great tool because it's so easy to use and it just gets people meeting Jesus through the words of the Bible. If you want to uh, get to know how to use it, if you want me just to give you a copy, get in touch. I'd be really happy to set you up with that. But friends, it is words that are about Jesus that are truly wise. So will you keep talking about him? Will you keep being ready, willing and open to talk about Jesus with your friends? 
I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God would help us be those people. Will you pray with me? Our great God in heaven, we thank you for what you've taught us about wisdom and words this morning. We also thank you that thank you for Jesus, the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. God, our prayer is just that our city and our world would know Jesus more and more. And we pray that you would give us the courage, the boldness, the words, the understanding, whatever we need to help us keep talking about Jesus. We ask for your help in this in the name of Jesus. Amen.